Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to Feel Better with Tara Styles. I'm Tara Styles, and welcome to the show. Oh my goodness, today I'm really looking forward to sharing about a massive topic that we all go through in one way or another, whether we bring awareness to it or we just kind of feel the tug. And that's, oh, I have to take a breath before <laughs> it's so big. It's creating space, creating space for ourselves, for our lives, for our dreams, our ideas, our way we want to enjoy and contribute and live. Such a massive thing, right? Creating space for ourselves. And also a big thing (laughs) that most of us, if not all of us, deal with and move through in some point of our life, in some way, shape, or form, is creating space for others. And specifically today, maybe we'll go into this in, uh, you know, many future episodes, but specifically for today, I'd love to share with you, narrow it down just a little bit. I know space is never ending, right? (laughs) Share with you just a bit about my story and some reflection on creating space for Daisy, a child, a little one, how does that all work? (laughs) How does that all fit in? What's the experience? How do we stay calm? You know, (laughs) there's a lot there. So this has really taken me, gosh, she's almost five now. This has taken me almost five years to share. There's such a pressure in our world, in our wellness community, especially to kind of be perfect, kind of be you know, fancy well, or have it all figured out, or really have the thing work out in the way that it should, or kind of the top tier, whatever that is. 
And I really felt that pressure. And I didn't really want to share this during, before, after, years after, a few years after. I just didn't feel comfortable. It felt like still too raw in a way. It's important for me to be mindful of everyone's experience when I'm sharing. I'm somewhat conscious that, you know, if you put something out into the world, whether you have one person listening to you or a hundred or hundreds of thousands or millions, you're still imprinting your ideas on others. So this is a topic that I wanted to be really (sighs) mindful of. And I'm ready to share because I have a little bit of perspective now, you know, five years, I suppose. So turning it back a little bit, while I was thinking about creating space for Daisy, I really wanted to create so much space for myself first. And, you know, not to dive into my entire life story, but when I was in kindergarten, my master plan was to move to New York City, join up with a contemporary dance company, and that dream got kind of shaken into reality by a few adults, you know, the teachers and the principal and my parents would say, well, how are you going to pay for your life? And of course, a dancer in a company can, can earn a living, but they, they weren't really aware of that at that time. So I thought about it and I was in Catholic school and I said, well, I'll be a nun and you can live in the nunnery or I can live in the nunnery for free. <laughs> and that'll kind of check off my box of helping people. I loved service. You know, I was very aware since a young age, that when you help somebody, whether it's big or small, you know, open the door for somebody, whatever you can do with what you have, you feel good. And, you know, I was kind of on to that life secret that I feel good when I help others in some way. So being a nun kind of seemed to help that, support that idea in some way, and also take care of my rent. (laughs) So that was my plan. And I read an article, I think in first or second grade about newborn baby girls in China being murdered or being, you know, all kinds of horrible things. And I didn't really understand the one child policy in China. I just knew that little baby Chinese girls needed help. And I thought, well, I could help. I could adopt a Chinese baby girl and that can be part of my life. (laughs) So that was really how I envisioned my life. And Nothing really too much deviated from that plan. I found yoga, so that kind of checked off my box of helping others, you know, service in some way, at least a practice of yoga and sharing yoga, not just the the sharing of it as a service, but the, the action of practicing helps me use myself to the best of my abilities in all ways. So come up with new ideas that I can really use my energy for good in the world. And that's a an ongoing process. And if you practice yoga and meditation, then you're onto that too. And if you don't, totally cool. Let's get it going though. It's all good. It's right there inside of you. So that was my area for that. And I met Mike. (laughs) And on our first date, we went to Cafe Gitan in New York. If you know it, it's super cool, little cute uh, French place. And I had about 25 coffees And we kind of decided right then and there that we weren't going to have kids. And somewhere in the back of my mind, and I'm sure in the back of his mind as well, we thought, well, maybe we will someday. So I knew myself enough to know that I needed to do me first or do me first enough along the way where I felt like it was okay to create space for someone else. 
I didn't feel like I needed to be in front of them. I could be alongside of them or behind them even. It was time for this new person. (sighs) So work started to get really busy. Things started to happen for me, which I'm super grateful for. Momentum, Strala started growing. I started doing partnerships with uh, W Hotels and Reebok and Live Strong and all kinds of things were just coming my way. So many opportunities as hopefully you've experienced as well. When you're doing something you love doing, you'll always get some sort of opportunity to simply continue doing it. And that's what I was experiencing. So part of that was I was ping-ponging kind of all around the globe. I would go to Singapore for Astrala training and then make sure I got back to New York in time for the Saturday class because I didn't want anybody to be disappointed (laughs) in me. And then I would take up on Sunday and go to Barcelona to visit the studio there and make sure I was back by the next Wednesday for the gentle class, this kind of thing. And it seems a bit chaotic and it definitely was. (laughs) So I came up with this mantra for myself really, and it became a mantra with Strala called, you are a space maker. And a bunch of us printed up posters. Uh, A friend of mine that was coming to the studio was a graphics designer, Liang, she's an amazing gal. And she helped me design this poster that said, you are a space maker. We put it on a tote bag and, you know, just started to have some fun. And a lot of people started to really resonate with this idea. And I thought, well, hey, I'm not alone, really. We all want to feel spacious. You know, maybe some of that is being a young person. Maybe some of that is being a young person in New York City and living in a small apartment and feeling like you want more space for yourself around you but you also want to be there in the middle of it and experience everyone and experience everything. But really space for people to see you and appreciate you and collaborate with you and really just do things that are interesting and fun and exciting and hopefully do a little bit of good in the world at the same time, expressing yourself. So this was really where I was at, kind of ping-ponging around the world, expressing myself. And Mike and I had really decided at this point, okay, we want to have a baby. Let's give it a go. And I was so cavalier about the whole thing. I said, okay, I'm going to Moscow. (laughs) Literally, this is what happened. I went to Moscow for an event with Reebok. I was doing this class and started knitting with some girls afterwards. We're doing some knitting projects here and there. Did the cover of uh, Russian Yoga Journal and some other cool interviews that Reebok had set up and was kind of organizing some future Strala things there, you know, as I do. What else can we, you know, get together here? How, how can we have more fun? How can we help more people? And then I told Mike, Moscow's not too far from Paris. And we both, of course, love Paris. Who doesn't love Paris? I get to go, or I got to go lots for Strala so far, hopefully go again. So I said, meet me in Paris and we will make a baby. <laughs> we will make a baby. <laughs> and then we will have a baby. It'll be that. So what happened was he flew to Paris. I flew to Paris. I actually got pregnant and I thought, okay, this is it. This is how it's going to be. So went home and kind of business as usual. You know, I had a good friend who was really trying for years to conceive and having a hard time. And I thought, well, I don't want to tell anybody because everybody's going through their own personal journeys, personal struggles. Some people don't want to have kids. This is an annoying thing to bring up. You know, I was one of those people just a couple of years before. So what happened was about 
seven, eight weeks into the pregnancy, I started to bleed a whole lot. And it was kind of wild, the timing. We were actually filming for Mind, Body, Green, this yoga course. And I remember rolling up from one of the practices. I was leading some friends in this class who were people that used to come to the studio. And I rolled up at the very end and I felt the blood drop. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is not good. Something bad is happening. So I just kind of forgot about it. Wanted to go home. Didn't want to go out with everybody afterwards, of course. And everything kind of fell apart. You know, I didn't tell anybody. So there was nothing to report, in my opinion, in my kind of experience of this whole thing. You know, Mike and I started to fight a whole lot. We both didn't really deal with it. And, you know, it just caused a whole lot of chaos for a long time. So this happened over, you know, a couple more years, really. And then the the kind of pain of seeing all your friends get pregnant and have babies. One of the days that I was really heavy bleeding, a friend came into the studio with her newborn and I was actually leading a special event for kids at the studio. And I was leading middle schoolers and high schoolers kind of class after class. And my friend comes in and hands me this newborn baby. And it's one of those days where the blood is just flowing and flowing and flowing. And I have this really nasty migraine and whole body aches, but I'm just kind of pushing through, you know, in this way. <laughs> Not so great. Wouldn't really recommend that. So obviously things weren't going so well. Years go by, uh, so many things, but eventually we work through it and start trying again. And of course we try and we try and we try and we try and, and nothing. <laughs> and then we try and we try and we try and we try. And the most inconvenient time possible, I say to Mike, I think I'm pregnant. <laughs> and he says, come on, you think you're pregnant every month. So I take a test and sure enough, I'm pregnant. And it's the most inconvenient time because literally two weeks from that moment, I have to go on this massive, massive kind of everywhere ping-ponging adventure. And I had stopped ping-ponging for a while, but this kind of just came up. Barcelona to visit the studio we had there, Reebok, W, Malaysia. I don't even really remember all the countries. I think it was about 10 countries. Dubai got added on kind of at the last minute when I was in Europe. And then Australia. Oh, by the way, since you're in Malaysia, can you just fly to Australia even though it's seven, eight hours, be there for two days and then go to Dubai and then go back to Europe and then go to France and then go to London, then go to Amsterdam. And then I think you're done, right? It's totally cool. <laughs> so I was so nervous. I was so sick. We actually both got food poisoning in Barcelona. And I thought in Singapore, they weren't going to let me off the plane. They had those kind of um, head monitors for your temperature. And I felt so ill that I thought, okay, I'm never going to go on to the next flight. This is, this is really bad. Somehow I made it through barely, you know, kind of <laughs> not so good, vomiting, needing to rest, barely able to move, that kind of a thing. Meanwhile, I'm leading yoga classes and doing events and doing photo shoots and taking pictures, all of those things. Creating space just goes completely out the window. After that, pretty normal pregnancy, I would say but super busy as well. We started to pare down a little bit the events that we were in charge of, but I was in Berlin pretty close to the last few weeks that you should be flying at all. 
and any little ounce of stress, anybody that was having a hard time that I was kind of taking on emotionally, I would get stressed and I would just vomit. (laughs) And it's not so great, not such a great thing. But it taught me so much about slowing down, doing what you can do with what you have and not worrying about the rest. You know, if somebody's having a hard time, I can help them as much as I can, but taking on their hard time isn't going to make anything better. (laughs) And that's really something huge that I learned. So fast forward to delivery, by the way, you know, health insurance, whole other topic, but my wellness friends had convinced me to kind of drop my normal OB doctor for a more crunchy midwife experience. They said, oh, you don't want to deliver in a hospital. You know, they're sending me documentaries. They say, you're a yoga teacher. You should be having a home birth. And I was in my 30s and having enough just instinct about my own self to think, well, I'm pretty sure that hospitals are good at dealing with emergencies. And if I have an emergency, I want to be there. I don't care if there's incense and candles and my music playing and all of that. I just want to make sure that the baby is safe and I'm safe. So we made a mistake of going with this midwife and very nice person, very nice practice, but not the same experience, at least for me as a doctor. So we get into (laughs) the labor moment and pretty sure I have to go to the hospital. So I go and I get there and I can't barely move. And she says to me, well, you're not dilated enough, so you need to go home. And right there, I thought, well, what? (laughs) This is supposed to be a better experience. I can't move, let alone go home. And it's like three in the morning, you know what I mean? So she lets me stay. I stay, I check into this room above the labor and delivery room at the hospital. So right there, we're kind of, you know, a floor away from getting help. So I'm there for a very long time. I guess it was that whole day, that whole night, (laughs) maxed out of the time. Meanwhile, the midwife is telling me, just push your baby out. Aren't you ready emotionally to have your baby? The nurse was coming and saying, wow, you look really great for someone who's pregnant. Your body's so toned and all of these things. And I'm kind of taking these things in and thinking, this is this doesn't feel right. You know, I'm not emotionally holding in my baby. Something about this experience, not just what's happening around me, but what's happening inside of me doesn't feel right. So I go, there's a little bathroom there. I go and I sit on the toilet. And that's the only thing that feels right. And I feel the baby pushing down on, not in the way that I've heard about, <laughs> but on kind of a bone, kind of hitting up against a wall in a way. And I was thinking you know, I've never done this before. This is not like yoga to me, but something is wrong. So eventually I say, please, please, I need to go see a doctor. I need to go see an OB. I need to go take me to the place where the emergencies are. So we go up and this woman comes in and she has on this flywheel hoodie, you know, and flywheel was at that time, the more competitive kind of get it done (laughs) mode compared to soul cycle, which had the reputation for being more kind of happy and friendly and everybody's here together. So as soon as I saw that flywheel jacket, I thought, yes, (laughs) this woman is for me. So she took one look at me. She had me push and she said, oh, honey, we need to take you in for an operation. This is an emergency surgery. 
her heart rate is dropping. The baby's heart rate is dropping. We need to get her out. And I thought, yes, go, 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 go. So I literally walked into the operating room. The midwife told me on the way, do you want to just slide into the bathroom and try to push one more time? And I feel like emotionally I had just whooshed her away. Please leave me alone. This is an emergency. You know, this isn't about some magical birth experience. And she said to me, well, this has never happened to me before. I always have successful births. And I thought, oh, wow, there's something really interesting happening here with the point system of how you deliver and where you sit on the gold star, silver star, oh, sorry, that happened to you list. When of course, it's most important as much as we can to be safe. So Daisy's delivered. Actually, they had to push her up. (laughs) She was so low, but stuck. Push her up. And then I'm so proud of her for this. She flipped herself around and they actually pulled her out by her feet. (laughs) So she was so fast and so quick and just wanted to crawl back up inside that uh, they delivered her breach, which was hilarious because she wasn't breech at all. And I said, what, you couldn't catch her? (laughs) She was faster than you? I'm so proud. So she was fine, obviously healthy, strong, all of that. I was not fine. It's a huge recovery process. And then there's the whole pressure that I felt from the inside and also from the outside to share the birth story right away. Tell me about your birth story. And obviously I'm not the queen of England. Not everybody in the world cares about my particular birth story, but I was getting a lot of emails from yoga publications and health publications asking me to literally share. And I had no interest. I thought this was traumatic for me, for Mike, and we just want our space. We want our time. And I'm so thankful that we're alive, but space and time, space and time. (laughs) So, you know, there's a lot to unpack there, of course. And one of the reasons that I wanted to share here with you was an effort to soften or really get rid of this birth story thing, this birth story competitive thing. And of course, it's great to share stories and to share the good, the bad, the ugly, but there really is this invisible pressure to have kind of this perfect experience, whatever that is. You know, if you deliver at home in the blue tub, you get a blue ribbon, you know. If you deliver at home and you have to rush to the hospital, you get a the next level ribbon and it goes down from there. And I just felt after Daisy was here, so grateful that she was safe and that everything else was so silly, including my choices to choose against my own intuition, going with a midwife instead of just staying in the OB kind of cycle. Now, whole other story, we had not so great insurance, you know, being self-employed. We just took the only OB that was offered to us. It wasn't the OB that I worked with all the time. It was somebody else. My OB doesn't do the 
baby delivering part of things. I didn't bother to ask. I just assumed. So I was placed with a woman who was fine, but I didn't have that relationship with, but I should have, and I would have done it differently now looking back. But it's okay. We have this space to share. And, you know, maybe the reason is in sharing what happened and in softening this expectation that we place on ourselves and also on others to kind of want to know what happened and want to compare and judge ourselves. So a safe, healthy baby is the best, you know, that's the best possible outcome. And my goodness, I know people that have not had that outcome and we all do, you know, that's part of life as well. So it's just important to be grateful in our pursuits of creating space as well. I want to share a little bit more about uh, creating space to do the rest of it, (laughs) move through the rest of it here. And I'm really lucky that I have Mike and Daisy and me, and we operate like the three musketeers, really. So I'm here right now recording this podcast in the room above the garage that is also Strala home. Mike and Daisy are downstairs playing. I just heard him come up and make some snacks for them. So I'm excited to share in this format, share in this podcast, but I'm also aware that there's no perfect space. There's no perfect time to do things. And It's important to decide how you want to feel, to decide what are the things that you need to do, whether it's, you know, paying your bills or saving money, things like that. What are the things that you want to do that you really crave to do? And how do you want to feel about everything in that way? And this is something that Mike and I do kind of Every so often we get up in the morning and we chat about things. And if this comes up, it comes up. And after Daisy was not too old, just a few months, we thought, okay, we need some changes here. (laughs) We need to travel a little bit less. We still want to travel. We want to show her the world. We need to figure out ways to be with her uh, unobstructed so we don't feel like we're divided in where we're giving our attention. And we want to include her in what we're doing because what we're doing in a way for us doesn't feel like work in the way where you have work and then you have life. It's very much included in this way. You know, mama's giving a yoga class with the people. Mama's helping people feel better. Uh, I can do that too. I can help people feel better too. So this is now something that we do together. You know, Daisy's not sharing yoga classes quite yet, but she understands the process by simply being around it. And I think a lot of that is Mike and I kind of chatting to her about what's happening, what's going on, when I go away, uh, what I'm doing, you know, when I'm with her, what we're doing and really creating space for her to be her, to look at what she's interested in. (laughs) She's so fast, you know, from that first moment of swinging herself around in my belly She's a runner, you know, she's, she's fast everywhere. She's in the pool. She's doing all these things that are so different from me. And I feel like if I was even one ounce less <laughs> aware of my own mind, of my own experience, I would be putting on her to be more like me. And, you know, that doesn't really work when you think about 
people's best interests. When you think about your own best interests, that's just setting yourself up for disappointment and creating space. Ah, such a big topic. I want to go to a voicemail, see what we have here. Hi, Tara. It's Tak here. Hope you're well. Firstly, I totally love what you stand for and who you are. My question is, for parents around the world with kids at home, so including myself, and depending on where you are with homeschooling and the like and being in each other's face pretty much 24-7, do you have any tips on how to make not only yourself feel better, but the kids too? Thank you. Stay well. Oh, Tech, my friend from down under. My goodness. Uh, Well, we're all in this together. And I think that's just something to remember. You know, there are no experts. There aren't any. (laughs) There are people that have gone to school for things. There are people that know things. You know, there's people that we can trust and lean on. Hopefully you have people you can trust and lean on. But in my experience and in Mike's experience and from what I can gather in Daisy's experience, it's really been important for us to be present, to notice what we need to be happy, each of us individually, and the best we can organize ourselves from there. So in the beginning of the lockdown in New York last March, I thought, okay, it's okay. We can be at home. We have to cancel, obviously, our in-person events out there in the world. But for me, what I needed was to lead yoga classes with people every day. That's what I do. So what am I going to do if I'm not doing what I do? (laughs) You know, I could just do something else, I suppose. But this live technology is possible now. So Mike got to working on the app with some developers, kind of researching all of that. I kind of let him do that for a little while. Daisy and I started to get into craft mode, (laughs) draw together on Instagram and Sophie Tucker dance parties every day at one. And soon enough, the app was ready. And I thought, okay, I can lead a yoga class every single day, 8 a.m. Eastern time. That's when Daisy's up and having breakfast with Mike. So they can kind of be, you know, in another room doing that and playing for a little bit. And then we can do whatever else we need to do, you know, emails or whatever the things are, the errands, and then play. And I felt like, oh my goodness, this is incredible. There's more space than I thought. How silly do I feel? (laughs) You know, and of course, this isn't everybody's experience, but for us, we realized, wow, we spent a lot of time just doing things that aren't necessary. So there's a a beautiful concept in East Asian healing arts and Tai Chi specifically called Wu Wei. And this has really saved me in the area of creating space. So Wu Wei teaches us to use what you need, rest what you don't. (laughs) And I talk about it all the time. I'll never not stop talking about Wu Wei until it's on billboards. Wu Wei, your way to success and all of these things. But I really learned so much just about the bigger kind of chunks of organizing my time, whether it's yoga or book writing. I launched a book during the pandemic with National Geographic, so that's strange. Um, My other book, Clean Mind, Clean Body, came out while the pandemic was still going. That was strange as well. And I'm working on a new book now. So these are things that I 
really desire to do. I want to sit down and exercise that part of myself and share stories and carve out time to read other people's stories in actual books <laughs> as much as I can. That's really important to me. Leading yoga with people every day, whether online or in person, is important to me. And obviously practicing. But if I'm leading, I'm getting that as well. So I said, well, that's kind of it. You know, those are the essentials. That's like the broccoli, the carrots for us. Those are our food essentials around here. And thankfully, because I have Mike, he said, well, while you're doing those couple things, I can hang out with Daisy. And then when you're done, you can hang out with her while I want to do things. He wants to go for a bike ride or go rowing or answer his emails or do his things. And then we have all this time to spend together. And I know that's a very specific to us life, but I think where it comes into play for pretty much everybody is this way of being, this way of moving. And it can look luxurious. You know, if you move in a way where you're only using the energy that you need to accomplish the task at hand, you have all of this extra energy. You're not building up tension in your body. You're not exhausting your mind. You're not thinking about a million things that aren't leading toward progress. If you're getting the glass of water off of a table, you're moving from your center, grabbing the glass, your hand just happens to be there. You move your middle back and here you are. So for me, it's not like learning this new parenting, caregiving trick at all. It's getting better at Wu Wei, <laughs> getting better at efficiency. You know, I think moms and a lot of dads and caregivers in general get very good at efficiency. You get up, you prepare the food, you get the clothes, you do the laundry, you do all the things. And if you can actually do the things and not do the other things that you don't need to do, you have more space to do the things that you actually want to do. So one of our biggest distractions now is overload of information, of course, overload of news, of news videos, of viral videos, of social media, of all of these things. And I've definitely got sucked into that at times. And how can you not? Your email is on your phone, your phone is on your phone, your camera is on your phone, and also all of this stressful content and all of this useful content is on your phone. So creating a better relationship with that device <laughs> and then realizing you don't need a relationship with a device, you need a better relationship with yourself. So for me, I'm kind of going through right now, since we've got this house on this lake in Illinois, another wave of creating space. This is a an incubator <laughs> space for me. How I feel is, you know, very similar to my first kind of real apartment in New York where I didn't move a million times. My first year in New York, I moved apartments, I think eight times, <laughs> kind of wild, but bleaker and Broadway, little tiny studio. I stayed there for years and years and years. And after Mike and I got our place on Prince and Mercer. We even kept that place. And I felt so connected to it that I, I let friends and people that I would meet that just needed a place to stay, to stay there. It became kind of the Strala home for wayward folks, you know, people that just needed a little extra help or needed some space. And I know that 
doesn't make much sense logically, but part of me felt like that needed to continue for a little while. (sighs) So I have no answers, of course. I am, as my bio says, a wellness expert. I've written lots of things about parenting and yoga with kids and I teach teachers how to teach yoga to all kinds of people in all kinds of situations. And I know a lot, of course, about this. And I have a lot of experience, of course, about this. But the worst thing that I could do is to tell you what to do. And the best thing that I can do is to share with you how to be, how to shift, how to create space. So it's all right with you all. I'd love to lead a brief experience in actually creating space inside and we'll see how it goes. So let yourself find a place that's actually comfortable for you in your body. So whether that's feet on the ground, could be sitting up, could be lying down. Move yourself for real so you're actually comfortable. It's not just a mental exercise here. It's a whole you experience. Let your whole self soften a bit here. Give yourself a little roll around, side to side, easy forward and back. Gradually swaying your way toward a more centered place. Like a buoy in water, it's not stuck on one place. It's letting the waves move it gently around until the waves settle and it finds that centered balance point. You're deciding where your center is. Notice your breath moving through you, moving you. Inhale, filling you up. Expanding, literally creating space. Exhale, moving you right into that space. Like a big door opening, big inhale. Swings open. Long exhale. You glide right through. Big inhale. Long exhale. Big inhale. Long exhale. Let yourself visualize some beautiful doors or some beautiful gates opening and you gliding right through with every big inhale and long exhale. Let your imagination go wild here. Big inhale, the gate swings open. Long exhale, gliding through. Two more times, big inhale, open. Long exhale, gliding through. One more time, big inhale, open. Long exhale, gliding through. Give yourself a little wiggle, a little roll. And notice how you feel. 
right. My goodness. Uh, creating space. The process is the solution. <laughs> the process is the expert in a way. We're not trying to reinvent the laws of nature. We're trying to slide into the flow, slide into the laws of nature and see what you discover. You know, so if I just said, hey, I do yoga with Daisy in the morning and we do tree pose, we hold hands, we do this and that. It's really cool. You know, we cook together. That's really nice. Uh, She likes broccoli and carrots. You know, these things are probably so annoying to hear (laughs) because it's only our experience. And it's impossible to try to do the same thing as somebody else is doing. Even if you love broccoli and carrots as well, you're doing them. (laughs) It sounds so corny. You're preparing them. You're doing them. You're eating them. You're thinking about them in a completely different way or maybe a similar way, but it comes from you. So my goal in sharing stories is to remind myself and remind you that the process is the goal. Listening, having some camaraderie, having some uniqueness, remembering how awesome you are is the goal. My story is just my story. You know, I'm hanging around on this planet, doing my best. I found this yoga thing, this Tai Chi thing, this helping others thing, this knitting hats thing, (laughs) this writing books thing, this creating a company thing, this love for business for good thing, and lots of other things. And you found your things. And some of our things are going to be the same. And that's super cool. We have more to talk about. You know, when we're feeling comfortable and confident in ourselves, it's so easy to make friends. And I feel so grateful to know that process of making friends. And I feel so grateful to have friends all around the world that we practice yoga with, we share We hang out, we swap stories, trade recipes, all of these things. So thank you for being here. Thanks for listening to my story. I hope it helped you feel better and see you soon. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com 